Welcome to the MHI Cast, the show where we talk to the industry's best minds to uncover their supply chain stories. We explore real-world case studies and get unique perspectives on key trends and emerging technologies from every corner of the material handling, logistics, and supply chain space. The supply chain continues to digitize with the inclusion of automation and processes, data collection, and even equipment. And mobile automation equipment like AGVs are being adopted more and more readily. And that's helping to ease the burden on an already busy workforce. We all know that digital innovations can quickly change, but many of you are wondering, how do you know where to find information on the latest products? What's the best way to introduce AMRs or AGVs into your workflow? Well. You're in luck, because today we're talking to two of the experts in the mobile automation space who also happen to be members of the MAG Industry Group. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thanks for being with us. Can you please introduce yourselves for the podcast audience? So I'm Brian Kiger. I head up the sales for Grenzebach Corporation North America Intralogistics Business Group. Been in the industry for about 30 plus years and started out on the engineering side, installing systems, and then I moved over to sales. So I've got quite a bit of diversity in my background when it comes to both technical as well as the uh, sales and marketing aspects. I'm Mark Longacre and I'm the Applications Engineering Manager at JBT uh, for the AGV product line. I've been with uh, JBT and in the AGV industry for over 22 years. And for us, uh, application engineering is all that pre-sale engineering. So once we know the customer's goals, we determine what type of vehicles they need, how many vehicles they need, and how we're, we're going to integrate it in so that they reach those goals. And I'm currently the uh, chairman of the mobile automation group for MHI. Of course, those who are listening might be more familiar with your previous name, and that was the AGVS industry group. Let's start there. Why the name change? Yeah, MAG stands for the Mobile Automation Group, and we did make that change about two years ago. And, and the primary reason was to really be all-inclusive of, of many, many companies and technologies that were getting into mobile automation. And, and we, we started to hear about you know, many different new acronyms, you know, for a long time, it, it was just AGVs, automatic or automated guided vehicles. But later on, we, we started hearing about UGVs, IMRs, AMPs, RLTs, uh, MAVs, I mean, all these different acronyms. And it, and it just really seemed to be confusing. So we wanted to be all inclusive. And that's, that's why we created the mobile automation group. And, and really, the point of, of our mobile automation group is to collaborate to create a platform so we can collaborate with other companies that make mobile automated equipment. Yeah, and if I can just add on to that as well, the, all of these acronyms you hear, they're all different types of some type of automated guided vehicle, whether they are autonomous, you know, AMR, where they have a, a robot on board, making them a, you know, IMR, what, whatever, it's, it all still forms around the basis of some type of guided vehicle. But again, many people wanted to separate themselves in the industry with the new technology that's coming on to the market, uh, being able to have more free-ranging, autonomous-type technology. So that's where you start seeing a, a kind of a break from the traditional AGV. They wanted to kind of separate themselves from being the AGV type where they could be more free-ranging. So I think that's where it kind of took on its own entity, and that's why we decided to be a little bit more inclusive of all these companies. 
Smart stuff, guys. You know, there's always new innovations in the pipeline, as you know, and in our industry, you've got to be future-proofing yourselves always. Brian, why don't you give us a, a quick summary of what current market activity looks like and, of course, the trends that you're seeing in mobile automation. And Mark, of course, feel free to jump in. There's been a massive explosion in automation in the last two to three years, and you're seeing a lot more of the smaller tunnel under type AMR type technologies hitting the market in the warehouse sectors, distribution centers. And it's mainly because you're seeing a lot more online shopping than you did before. But today there's a call for a lot more flexibility, more dynamic environments in our solutions. And so you're, you're seeing a lot more creativity in the way we take our technology to market and the flexibility and usability that we're implementing into these solutions as well. And there's many reasons that we can get into later, but uh, the, the trend is not stopping. It's going to continue, I think, for several more years. There's not a day that goes by that I don't open up my email or look in an industry publication or, or, or see a, you know, a podcast that doesn't describe how automation is just taken off. And, and that takeoff is real. I know we collect uh, statistics uh, as part of MAG from, from all our member companies, and those statistics are confidential, but believe me, the, the growth in the industry is real. And you know we're, we're seeing growth in those traditional uh, markets that have you know automated before, things like automotive manufacturing, but then the new warehousing and distribution that Brian mentioned, those are, are even fueling faster growth. And so, yeah, it's just re really exciting to see that, that market growth. I'd like to know what you think the reason is for the sharp growth in mobile automation. Mark, why don't we start with you first? Yeah, I think back for me many years ago when I had that economics course, you know, we talked about supply and demand and I wondered how that would ever apply to my life. Well, well, I, I think I found out how, you know, the supply for labor is just at an all time low for these type of jobs. You know, many cases, this is, you know, a person working in a, in a warehouse or in a factory and they're driving a vehicle around um, to do work and it's very repetitive. It's very boring and have young kids who are just entering the workforce and, and they just don't want to do those kind of jobs. So finding that labor is, it's just so scarce. And, and then the, the demand that we were just talking about, in, you know, in our last point, it's increasing very, very quickly. And uh, so we just, we just have an imbalance in the supply of labor versus demand. And, you know, that's why there's such high growth. Yeah, I, th I think Mark's hit on quite a bit of it already. You know, the entire supply chain industry, it's, it's undergoing rapid change and expansion. And I'm a big uh, statistics and reports guy. I'm always checking the latest marketing reports, trends reports. And, you know, the warehouse and manufacturing automation market is set to reach more than $27 billion U.S. dollars by 2025. And the main drivers really behind the increase are some of the things that Mark pointed to is the rise in, in e-commerce, you know, the warehouse and plus the challenge of sourcing skilled labor. And I think one thing that we can really point to as a huge turning point was the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic across the world. Um, I think that has significantly and in some ways unexpectedly affected both the labor force and e-commerce operations as well as in the warehouse and manufacturing sectors. In fact, uh, the labor market gap continues to widen, you know, and uh, e-commerce sales continue to grow at an astounding rate. And, and really what I've seen over the last uh, probably two years since the pandemic hit has been several megatrends. 
And those are, for instance, urbanization and mobility. You're seeing a lot more people uh, moving into urban centers. Again, being a numbers guy, I've read up to 60% of global population is going to live in urban centers by 2030. So what does this mean? It means basically there's going to be reduced storage area. You're going to have a growing variety of products. Uh, you're going to have smaller purchase quantities, more frequent deliveries, particularly as the uh, warehouses start changing their dynamics. They're going to create more spokes in the city, as you will, instead of a big hub, because the last mile delivery currently accounts for about 50% of a delivery expense. So the idea is to get closer warehouses to provide faster and more economical deliveries. And this will decrease the delivery cost to the consumer. And then you got the aging population that Mark talked about. Digital age is coming quicker than we can imagine. And then we also have a lot of pressing regulations that are starting to you know, come about as a result of trying to protect the employees more, uh, product safety, and especially in your pharma and temperature controlled food sectors. And there's a lot higher expectation on freshness of products because people are, for a while there, were eating in quite a bit and ordering online. So there was a, a huge demand there to, to build up the inventory of fresh products to ship out via e-commerce. Um, so those are the, the biggest things that I've seen that really uh, have impacted the market and the technologies that we've delivered. Thanks, Brian. I, I know that we just mentioned a, a few moments ago that a couple of influencing factors are e-commerce and, and labor demands. But uh, if you could, please talk about the technologies that are being born out of this and, and fueling this growth. I'll touch briefly because I mentioned that as things are changing the consumer is driving a lot of this, right? So the consumer has a lot more visibility today than they ever have before through online buying. And so what we're seeing is an increase in the need for flexibility and scalability, the need for dynamic environments. And this means mobile robots, robots that can uh, easily change how they move through the environment. And it also means a lot more machine learning and AI, artificial intelligence, being able to learn the patterns that are, are being created by the market and adjust and change on the fly to adapt to those change, those processes, particularly in goods to person where you will see over a period of months that several products may ship on the same order. So we always start thinking, okay, let's batch those all together. So it's just one pick instead of several picks, increasing the efficiency in the way that the orders are, are processed. So little things like that, but mainly it's been around uh, machine learning and AI. Those are the key technologies that are going to help the growth and uh, be able to soften the blow some. I think the advancements in sensors are having a lot to do with the growth and, and helping us be more productive and actually do that safely. I, I think safety sensors now can see farther and that helps us operate faster, uh, but safely. Uh, faster. And then uh, navigation sensors are getting better and better. We have to do fewer and fewer changes to the environment. You can just bring vehicles in and they operate without, you know, creating unnatural navigation aids. And that just makes our installation time quicker and less expensive. And then there's certainly, you know, all the software advancements that have been made. And really those software, if I tie those up into a really simple concept, it's just that it's making the systems a lot easier to operate and easier to support so that you can be working with a very, very complex system, but it's very intuitive and somebody with really minimal training can go in there and diagnose the system and operate the system, you know, very quickly. 
as people who work with mobile automation every day, you've got your eyes on the horizon. So I'd like to know what advancements you find most exciting, even even something that's, you know, possibly a few years down the road. Brian, start with you. The one thing that I'm looking forward to, I'm not sure exactly if it's a two-year, three-year, but there are plenty of discussions around it today. The supply chain is all about speed, right? And But at the same time, we have to be safe. And so to Mark's point earlier about sensors, we have lots of sensors today, sensor technology that allow us to be safe, but unfortunately they also slow us down. So I'm looking forward to the day that we can actually have sensors that can detect whether the object in our path is a human or if the object is a column that we could just gonna go around. Because once the day comes that we can determine that, we, don't, we no longer have to slow down. We're no longer bound by those limitations in speed we know it's a column, we quickly continue on the speed that we're at and move around it. If it's a person, it's a little bit unpredictable, so then we slow down. But that would make a huge deal in my mind when you're looking at the need for speed in the operation supply chains today. Yeah, and I agree with Brian. We, we think alike. I, I think uh, machine learning and AI are going to be some key advancements. And we already have some machine learning examples of, of that already, but I really think that will push push us uh, be well beyond where we are now and into the future when we're able to adapt more and more uh, machine learning and, and AI. Okay, so what advice can you give a company that's just starting to pursue mobile automation? First and foremost, I, I think you need to have a, a strategy for your automation plan. And I would say you look out three to five years and figure out, you know, what, what is your strategy going to be? I would strongly recommend you start as big as you can. And that, that might sound a little counterintuitive. You know, most companies are very pretty risk averse and, and want to start really small, take baby steps, walk before you run, all, all those cliches. But really, if you're just getting started with automation right now, you're behind the curve. There are companies ahead of you. There are companies that into their second and third level of deployments. And so you need to, to go fast. You need to catch up. And, and so again, start with as big a program as you can, and you are going to learn a lot from that program. And then you can look at, at branching out to additional facilities. Yeah, Mark hit a lot of key components there, but the thing I want to, I want to dive in a little bit more on what this big program should entail. Um, because it's Mark's right, either automate or you're going to be automated. That's the way it's going these days. But there's really four key things when you're getting ready for automation if you're a small company large company it really doesn't matter part of your big plan you need to identify four things number one it's a culture change very much a culture change you can't expect that you're going to flip a switch overnight so to mark's point about planning it's very important but you also need clear commitment and expectations from the board all the way down to the warehouse floor you have to clearly define the processes. You have to align your operational staff. And that's where change management becomes huge, getting them to buy in and understand. And then it's a matter of ongoing, small, continuous improvements. The, uh, the, the second thing is your environment, your network. You need to challenge the physical network before the bolts in the floor go in. This means building a, a digital roadmap, both internal, customer-facing. It needs to be repeatable. And then you can focus on the digital physical changes which leads me to number three, the digital communication, increasing, being able to increase your speed, your agility, your value added services. You have to enhance these communication paths first, make these priority. And you have to make sure you, you have a proven integrated 
WMS, WES, WCS, whatever level you need, that needs to be in place long before you ever consider rolling automation up and underneath it. Otherwise, you're just magnifying the imperfections in your already existing processes. So you've got to get it pretty smooth and operating under a WMS where it's organized and, and efficient. And then the final one is just the physical part. Uh, again, there's a couple ways you can go with a closed ecosystem or you can do a plug and play. Both have value, but you need to understand which one has the most value for your particular process. And then, like Mark said, it's not going to go in overnight. You have to plan for the downtime and the ripple throughout your network because it's it's not going to be a flip a switch and you go, it's going to be a process, but you need to start and you need to start now. Brian, you mentioned the word buy-in. That's really interesting because that's something that we've talked about often. In your opinion, how important is it to get the C-suite on board with automation? Because my understanding is that the process starts in operations. And although, quite frankly, I'm not sure if that's still the direction it moves, but is there any way to bolster buy-in from, from the top down? I'll say that the the majority of the programs we see at JBT, I mean, they already have the buy-in. In a lot of these programs, they're they're coming more top down than 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 from the bottom up, and and that's one of the big changes that we could have even mentioned when when we talked about the growth. Yeah, when when I started in the industry twenty years ago, we were selling to one facility and a plant manager, and it was getting sold up through the organization. Now these decisions are really coming from the from the C-suite and, and, and plants are and facilities are being challenged. How do we use this uh, equipment, this automation equipment to reduce costs, to improve operations? So that's even happening without us, without us really driving it. Again, Mark, and I think so much like it's scary. We're, we're trying to figure out how to get buy-in from the operator on the floor. That's got to make it work day in and day out because that's where the success is really determined. In other words, if you just surprise them with, hey, you have an automated system, they feel really threatened and they could make it fail just in themselves. So the, the key is is really from the minute you decide you're going to take on a project before you even start uh, going down the road of placing a purchase order, you need to start bringing your people in and getting the buy-in with them. Make them feel like they're a part of the process. This is going to enable them. It's not meant to be a threat of any kind, but the automation is to help them be better at their jobs. And this goes along the line of how do we create sustainability and what little workforce we have left. It's getting them to understand that the technology is only there to help them. And then once you have that buy-in at the early ages, early stages, then you can let that just flow right to the point where you're installing it. And by that point, they should have already accepted and bought into it. You're not trying to sell them at that point. And I can point to a number of instances where, you know, companies have chosen not to tell their people early on, they just kind of surprise them with it. And you take the exact same system to a company that installed a very effective change management program. One succeeds and one doesn't. I don't think I have to tell you which one doesn't, but yeah, it's for me. And I know Mark as well, having been in this industry, that's probably one of the biggest aspects that I, I, I focus on in a sale is making sure they understand it's a cultural change. They have to buy into this from the board to the floor if it's going to be truly successful. And that's our job is to make sure that they have that buy-in all the way down to the people on the floor. They feel a part of the process. Hey, that's an excellent point. And I love the way that you phrased it because you have to get buy-in from the board to the floor because after all, what good is a tool if it uh, if you don't end up using it? 
Okay, on to the last question, gentlemen. Is there anything we didn't get a chance to talk about uh, that you'd like to mention now? I would just say um, there's six things out there as a supplier, particularly that that I'm looking for that I'm seeing a lot in the industry. They're called automation triggers. At what point, what causes someone to say, hey, maybe we should look at automation? There's a huge need to improve accuracy. There's a huge need to sustain energy. There's a incredibly huge need for increasing the speed. And there's a big need for reducing the labor needs or covering the labor gaps at this point, improved safety, and then finally improving the capability and capacity. Any one of those or all of those are really the big automation triggers that I'm seeing today for automation. I'd add that that some of our biggest challenges right now in this industry aren't, you know, these value uh, generating projects. It's how can we go faster? You know, how, how can we do uh, more installations? How can we reduce our lead times? How can we, you know, help more customers, more facilities? Uh, because customers are seeing this this ROI and they want it now. And in the industry, we've had a, a certain amount of, I'd say, you know, customization we've done. And that that's driven, you know, some of this timeline a little longer and today's customers aren't satisfied with that. They want to do all their plants and they want to do all their plants now. So that's some of our, our next challenges is how can we deploy these quicker and uh, in more facilities? And um, that's where we're going to have to solve next. The only last thing is if there's uh, f- other companies in mobile automation who are hearing this podcast and, and want to get involved in MAG and have an interest in MAG, by all means, re- reach out to uh Jayesh uh, Mehta is our uh, our managing executive. Reach out to him, and uh, he'll get you an application to join the group. Yeah, and that goes for not only suppliers that want to be a part of the group, but it also goes for end users. You know, that want to know more, learn more. We're here to help the industry. Really, that's what Mag is for: is to not only come together as a, as a group and help improve. Uh, how things are done and, and understand the market and be able to respond quicker. But we want to know, you know, we have to know what the, the end users are feeling, what they're needing, what they're seeing so that we can respond uh, appropriately. So we, we always try to engage the end users as well. Be a part of MAG in any way you can. Well, there you have it. Excellent insights from these two experts. Thank you for listening to this installment of MHI Cast, And thank you, Mark. Thank you, Brian, for joining us. For more information on the MAG Industry Group, or if you're thinking of joining, just go to the website, mhi.org MAG. Industry groups are an excellent way to stay on top of the trends in the industry and make sure that your voice is heard. To find an industry group that suits your interests, head to the MHI website and click through to the industry groups page or simply type in mhi.org slash industry groups. Here at MHI, we never stop exploring new opportunities to help you take your manufacturing and supply chain operations to that next level of success. So thank you for making us a part of your professional development journey.